0: Greetings, and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast. My guest on this episode is the president of Showtime Sports and Event Programming, Mr. Steven Espinoza. With the demise of HBO Boxing, uh Steve is now arguably the most powerful man in the sport, certainly uh, the most powerful man uh, administering the sport for a network. Um, I spoke to him about the great 2018 Showtime has had, what's ahead for 2019, how P- the PBC's deal with Fox affects Showtime and, and some of the bigger events coming up on Showtime pay-per-view, including uh, Wilder Fury and Pacquiao Broner also spoke to Stephen uh, about the fact that he is the lone TV executive, uh, actively curating boxing on a network. And as, as someone who's publicly advocated on behalf of the sport to the media, just wanted to know if he considers himself maybe the conscience of the sport. It was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. So I want to welcome... Uh, Maybe the most powerful man in the sport, at least certainly the most interesting uh, to me, uh, that's uh, Steven Espinoza. Welcome to the Boxing Esquire podcast.
1: Pleasure. I'm uh, probably the most powerful man that maybe that speaks to the media, at least, right? (laughs) (laughs) We'll qualify it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I mean, 2018 has been a banner year for Showtime uh, from the upfront in January, which was amazing, um, to Fight of the Year candidates, Lara Hurd, Wilder Ortiz, Title Unifications. Um, tell me how
1: successful a uh, year Showtime's had, and has it met your expectations? It really has. I mean, it, it's sort of been a, um, a three- or four-year process, um, because, we, you know, I started here um, almost seven years ago, and... At that point, we were working on guys who were really relatively unknown. Um, the Charlo's, you know, Thurman. Um, Charlo's have never appeared anywhere other than Showtime. Um, Thurman might have had one appearance somewhere else, but uh, you know, it certainly wasn't wasn't a name. So, in some senses, you know, I think 17 and 18 we've been really really happy with. Um, but the groundwork for those types of years, you know, goes back two or three years. And you sort of have to um, endure some of the uh, the slings and arrows as you, you sort of go up and you know build these guys. And not everyone's going to be a monster. But after sort of grinding away, we reached a point where this generation, this wave of talent, all sort of matured at the same time. Certainly, the welterweight class sort of all came together at the same time, and a good class of '54 and you know the '60s. As a group, not just at showtime sort of coalesced around the same time, so it 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 it's great when you set a plan and it actually comes through we we set a plan to sort of highlight one forty seven one twenty six um, you know ultimately a little bit later we set aside some on the heavyweights and you 've got a lot of grand ideas of you know this is how this piece fits, and then we 'll do this guy and this guy not. Not every time does it work out exactly, uh, but I've got to say, you know, I I think we can, we will be able to see unifications in 126 and 147 and several other uh, divisions in 2019. And that's, that's sort of what everyone has wanted
0: absolutely wow that's great um yeah i was gonna get to 2019 i know you're already planning for it um just want to know is there going to be another upfront uh like like showtime had last year and and i see you know fox kind of uh decided to do it as well but uh um i mean a couple of fights have been leaked but i mean is it going to be similar to last year's where you're going to go all the way into june with the schedule
1: or is it it's comparable or uh, um yeah i I mean clearly we can't claim. claim, uh, you know, th- that we originated up fronts, um, but sort of, you know, rolling out the boxing, boxing schedule as we did. For boxing, maybe. For boxing <laughs> I, I thought, you know, that that was something we are proud of, and it, it really was like, like herding cats. It was, uh, you know, in retrospect, you know, as soon as we announced we figured, okay, you announced six months of fights, like half of them were not going to stick just because things happened. And uh, virtually all of them, you're stuck on their original dates with the original opponent, which um, I never would have guessed happened. I mean, this year, the the market has changed a little bit. You know, in some sense, we are, you know, collaborating in a sense with Fox. I know we'll, we'll get to that later, but we're splitting some of the fighters with Fox. So it's, you know, whether we can get to the point in the near future, I meaning December, January, where we can... Say, you know, here's our schedule for six months. You know, since we're splitting with Fox, I'm not sure it'll be quite as impactful because there's going to be some Fox fights. For example, um, you know, I've got some plans for, you know, we've got a plan for uh, Charlo Hurd, you know, hopefully in the first half of next year, you know, what Charlo's got. You know a fight that he's got to get through on the 22nd so you know it's one thing to talk about that i'd I'd love to see this magic theoretically it's another thing to sort of you know present it in an upfront you know and that's an awkward thing when you've got guys who still need to win fights to get there
0: well that that's 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 great i'm sure uh you know boxing fans will be over the moon to hear you know unifications in three divisions um but, uh, you know, clearly PBC is, you know, I mean, I, I do my own ratings and I, I look at the, the transnational boxing ratings. I think like 41 fighters are either champions or contenders from the PBC. In my top 25, I think it's like 75 fighters. They're the monster. Mm-hmm. So clearly, you know, fitting all of that on one network and having everybody fight two, three times, a that just you know, wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. They're on Fox. You know, they're in front of hundreds of millions. Um, that's great. But you know, as as you alluded to, you know, how is it? You know, how does the Fox deal affect Showtime? And and for me, I mean, just seeing all those welterweights in in their rollout, mm-hmm. I, I was surprised because I'm like, Showtime mm-hmm. has developed those guys, and especially Spence.
1: I'm like, whoa, whoa. So so yeah, how is it going to work? And how does it affect Showtime? Well, I, I I think you identified the the key issue is there's a lot of talent, and there's you know a, an even a, a deeper level of talent that. You know, not all of us have really discovered yet. Um, and, you know, I'm anxious to get to those guys. And just the way, you know, when Floyd retired uh, after uh, after the Berto fight, it sort of opened up some bandwidth to start, you know, speculating who's the next guy and opens up. Like, I think what, what Fox will do is open up some bandwidth and, and we can sort of expand little deeper on some guys that we haven't seen as well. But I do think there's more than enough talent to go around and more than enough fights uh to go around. Um you know and for example, um Charlos are a good example. You know, they wanted to get in a fight before the holidays. You know, it's a sort of an awkward date for us and a bad time of the year budget wise. Um but you know, it made made complete sense for Fox. Now I am confident the fights that we've been building to, for example, you know Charlo Hurd, will end up with us uh, because I think there's a recognition on the PBC side that again Charlos haven't fought anywhere other than here. You know, same with with Hurd, and you know we've we've built that. So I think we're going to continue to sort of reap the benefits of what we've sown in that regard. And, and I think um, Fox is going to certainly have their share of good fights. Um, but for us, the outlook um, doesn't really change. Um, we believe we've established ourselves as sort of the, the premium destination. You know, the, the go-to network for the most consistent selection of top-tier fights, uh, the most meaningful, most important fights. And we think that's going to continue. You know, we we are confident that we will continue to be, you know, the the premium home of fights, the home of premium fights. You know, the the best and the biggest fights. Um, I think the, the vast majority of them will be here on Showtime and will continue to occupy that space space in the market.
0: Also, I mean, you know, with Fox having, you know, such coverage and, and available to so many people, do you think that possibly guys appearing on Fox,
1: coming back to Showtime, maybe Showtime gets a little bounce from that? You, you know, we we went through this process uh, before in 2014. And I, I think, thankfully, um, writers and, and other sort of um, commentators have have been a little bit more restrained you know back in 2014 when pbc rolled out it was you know it was heralded as sort of the end of showtime oh goes there goes all the showtime guys pbc has pulled the rug out like showtime boxing is dead and at the time you know we said hey you know slow down like there's a bigger plan in play you know this isn't done without consultation without our involvement and we'll get them back and you know we think in the long run it'll be the rising tide that lifts all boats and that's the way it played out so look I'm glad to have Fox you know in here uh, and they serve an important place in the market in terms of providing more dates and providing a a broad platform which you know you go back and really over the last 20-30 years you know, every major boxing superstar has been built with the help of network television. You know, arguably, Floyd is probably the one guy who who is the exception to that. But you know, De La Hoya, even Tyson, you know, Roy Jones, you know, obviously Sugar Ray, and all, all through network television. So the fact that there's a network participant now, I think, is is a good thing for the sport, um, and I think we'll still be able to occupy the premium tier in terms of having the best of the best. That's great. That's great.
0: Um, now, you know, CBS, the parent company has gone, you know, undergone, you know, a, a big change mm-hmm. with, uh, Les Moonves who was a massive boxing fan, uh, mm-hmm. going and, and of course, you know, your competitors have seized on this <laughs> and, uh, you've got Aram and Hearn out there saying, Oh, well, Showtime's going to be just like HBO without Les there, you know, uh, they're going to be out of the boxing business and, in in, in in you know, in short order, Um, I mean, is it obviously, you know, you've talked about the growth that that Showtime, you know, has experienced with boxing and and how it fits. But I mean, has anyone from CBS Sports spoken to you about the continued commitment to Showtime boxing or I mean, are you just Um, it's not even necessary?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's always, you know, it's always necessary because we we want to we want to. coordinate with other aspects of the company and make sure we're all pulling the same direction. We all agree on the strategy because for a pay-per-view like the Wilder or like Pacquiao, you know, we need CBS's help. Like they, they support us in really critical ways. So I know that couldn't get done without continuing support. But we're coming off a year in 2018 where um, our ratings were the highest they've been in the last five years. You know, so there's, I mean, whether it's Aram saying it or Hearn, it's absolutely asinine to say. Um, and I, I think the more they repeat it, the the, the sillier they look. Um, you know, Aram, you know, sort of used to that. Um, whatever outlets he's not working with, he'll consistently trash. And then when he needs to work with them, then he'll speak positively. So right now, he's exclusively with ESPN so he trashes everyone else. That's, that's his MO. Um, It's a playbook that apparently Eddie Hearn has decided to copy from. Uh, And even though Eddie, you know, has zero experience in the U.S. pay-per-view market and relatively little experience promoting at all in the U.S. market, um, you know, he's gone out on the same limb to say that we'll be out of business uh, within the next 12 months. you know, I, looking at, at Eddie's business and ours, I, I think he should spend a little more time, uh, you know, tending to his own business here um, because I think there have been some pretty significant changes which have affected him. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't... If I were in his shoes, I wouldn't be completely satisfied with the performance of my own business. Uh, I wouldn't be speculating about the end of other people's businesses. But the, the reality is Showtime Boxing has never been stronger. Um, you know, our our... The talent we've developed has, has you know matured you know completely to have a new wave of stars, and you know we're as excited as we've ever been uh, about the sport, and uh, it is true that um, that Leslie is a big boxing fan, but there are many other big boxing fans, and I think sort of attributing it to you know to that. To, to Leslie's fandom, it does a disservice to the sport itself. Um, the reality, you know, I believe we have in some senses paved a way for this new wave of, of boxing participants. I think if we hadn't have put such a good face on the sport over the last two or three years, I don't think there are major investors and hedge funds and, and networks coming into the sport. Um, I, I think largely you know we've been the engine behind the sport and when look people look at the opportunity I think they're looking largely at what we've done in the sport the last couple of years um, and it, it's great for the sport I'm you know I'm, I'm happy but we're not you know we're not going anywhere absolutely
0: absolutely yeah there there's a lot to unpack with that with that answer i mean without question i think you know i mean there, there's been an explosion of 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 you know money coming into the sport there's there's never been so much money and i do want to get to that but I, I, i'm gonna get
1: yeah and you know in one of the the interesting aspects, i mean to to sort of say well you know the ceo has changed so we'll know there hasn't support that sort of suggests that the sport is just here as a favor because there's um, a personal um, a a personal fandom, fan. yeah, it's sort of like, oh, I like this, so I'm doing it. It really demeans the sport. So to say, well, without him there, you know, the sport's gonna die. It means, well, the sport's not worth anything, um, so if there's not one guy who likes it there in the CEO position, then there's no reason to do it. Uh, you know, that, again, further from the, the truth, um, our experience is the polar opposite of HBOs, at least from what I, what I read. Um, it drives our business, um, our subscribers respond positively, they're, res- they're responding by watching, we've got you know, a- an upward trend uh, on-, on ratings, so this doesn't need a patron to use your words. This sport makes sense on its own merits, you know, and that is something that uh, has been proven time and time again here for us in our business.
0: Right, right, yeah, and, and that was a point you made in the upfront last year, which again I, I can't say enough about was you know just the information and the education you gave people about the interest in the sport and what kind of kind of sleeping giant it is. Maybe uh,
1: maybe I shouldn't have, and I wouldn't have to deal with <laughs> with all these competitors. Right. I should have kept it a secret that the business actually works, right?
0: Well, you know what? Listen, anyone looking out for the greater good of the sport—I mean, you know—you can't knock that, and you can't knock that instinct either. Um, just wanted to get to a, a couple of uh, fights that you have coming up that are that are pretty uh, exciting. Obviously, Deontay Wilder mm-hmm. and uh, Tyson Fury, December first, um, Showtime's first pay per view in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are calling it the biggest heavyweight fight in the U.S. since Lewis Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really one that's kind of hard to call. A lot of question marks going in. You know, is Fury's you know is Fury's readiness? I mean, is he ready after two tune ups, um, after the the long layoff and his his troubles? And you know, how is Wilder going to deal with Fury's style and and how unorthodox he is? Um, you know, I think it's a fight the public's getting excited about. I mean, how how have you seen the promotion going so
1: far? Um, you know, this is the, the the sort of nervous period for us because you're three weeks out, um, the marketing hasn't hit yet. The marketing starts the last two weeks. So, Although, honestly, the social media the social stuff media. has been awesome. It's yeah. really been good. And that, that's something that I think is one of our strengths. Um, uh, in particular, um, our head of digital, Brian Daly, uh, Sports Digital, and his team are, are phenomenal. And uh, I think you're, you're obviously paying attention. Um, but it's sort of... You know, it makes you a little nervous because you're sort of like, it's almost here. I want to start seeing commercials on TV every day. Um, but I think overall, it it has been building the way we had hoped. And I think the, the thing that speaks best about it, if you look at Deontay and his training, like he's always in phenomenal shape. Like the guy never has an ounce of fat on him. Um, but where Tyson Fury has come. In terms of his fitness like the photos that he's been posting lately they're they're a different guy not just a different guy from where he was back at the start of 2018 a different guy than we saw fight in august right in like physically so i think what that says is both of these guys recognize what the challenge what a challenge they have in front of them and uh, you know last i checked a couple days ago wilder is you know i think minus 140 uh and uh and i think fury is is plus 160 that's about as as close as you can get a fight and i i think that's accurate um the it's it's that classic matchup of two contrasting styles and if it's a boxing match then might be a long night for Deontay. you know it turns into a brawl then you know fury is probably not going to last the 12 rounds it's sort of uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting clash of styles, um, and I don't think anybody can reliably say how the fight's going to go.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely, very exciting fight. Um, you know, uh, well, and then uh, I guess we'll get to, to to what's going on in January, where you've got uh, you know Manny Pacquiao returning to Showtime in a really interesting fight. I mean, with Adrian Broner, um, you know, I think just as just as. Looking at it, you know, no matter you know what medium it, it's coming through, that's an interesting fight. That's just a really interesting fight. I mean, there's been a little bit of criticism on, on social media. I think maybe just because it's back to back and back to back months, pay per right. views. Um, You know, some are questioning, you know, well, Showtime's supposed to have a bigger budget for 2019, why are they putting two pay-per-views back-to-back? You know, you've stated in the past that pay-per-views don't accrue to the business Mm -hmm. and keeping fights on Showtime and off pay-per-view drives business and subscriptions more, but, you know, in terms of strategy, just balancing what goes on pay per view and what goes on Showtime Championship Box, you know, where do you draw the line? Just kind of like I don't know, like a, regarding like expected buy rates or deciding what goes on pay per view and
1: and what stays on the network. Uh, it's it's a it's a really good question. I think the the first um, the first criteria is it's got to be in extra premium. It's got to be a premium product because I think that's where you start to get the most pushback from fans is. Don't sell me ground beef at filet mignon prices. <laughs> so it, it needs to be something special. Heavyweight championship of the world. Two of the, the top three in the world. Okay, um, I, I, you know, yeah. people will, you know, there are always some portion that will complain, but that's a premium product. Um, Manny Pacquiao is a premium product. You know, at this stage, and I think that's a, a really interesting you know matchup as well. Um, so I think that's where you start. Um, you know, the other, you know, and that's really where we've, that's has filtered out probably 80, 90% of what we've done over the last, I mean, this, the Wilder fight will be our, our, you know, first pay-per-view. You know, we haven't done any pay-per-views in the last, we've done one pay-per-view in the last three years, which was Mayweather McGregor, which again, unique, mm-hmm. yeah, unique <laughs> premium, well, yeah, that was sort of, it's so. So it's sort of, you know, if we look at it that way, I mean, I, I think where there's the, you know, the biggest problem is when you are selling, trying to sell something at a premium price that is perceived as not premium. Um, you know, the obvious example and not, not picking him because he's a fantastic fighter, but um, Crawford Postal, you know, in that, you know, doing under a hundred thousand buys, you know, shows that it shouldn't have been a pay-per-view. right? Um, and so, but having said, they're two phenomenal fighters. And you look back at, uh, you know, the matchup and the quality of the matchup doesn't always go, because if you look at uh, Cole of Ward, which, you know, for a variety of different reasons, didn't perform as well as most expected, right. you know, phenomenal matchup to two really talented especially fighters. the rematch really surprised me because the first fight was
0: awesome you know you had knockdown you had Ward coming from behind it was controversial yeah I
1: mean I think there's um and I, I don't want to you know point fingers but um but I want to be candid you know I think there's a there's an art and the science to to pay-per-view marketing and promotion um and I think you need two willing participants you need um you know, people. You need a a good pay per view distribution partner, and you need people to understand the market. And I know Rock Nation was relatively new to the sport, new to pay per views. Um, that um, could have been part of it. I know, you know, Kovalev isn't particularly, you know, uh, he's a, he's an interesting fighter in the ring. Um, he's not exactly. Um, the you know a, a marketer's dream,
0: not Conor McGregor, right? <laughs> right exactly in
1: terms of you know giving material, right? He's more the strong silent type, and 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 Andre is again top pound for pound probably at the time, um, but he's a somewhat understated guy, you know. So all of that goes in, into the factors, and the the Pacquiao thing was sort of the happenstance, you know. That wasn't. I mean, who knows whether we, uh, uh, you know, whether we would have gotten him later in the year? And never. It wasn't something that we really saw coming, and sort of just the opportunity popped up. He said he wants to fight in in January, and uh, he knows all the uh, all the business risks coming out of the holidays, another pay per view, and look, I give at a certain level, you know, it's the ultimate in in sort of you know, capitalism and entrepreneurship. I mean, here is when a fighter makes a decision, and I mean, when a fighter makes the decision to go pay-per-view, you know, not a promoter saying, well, the network doesn't have money. I don't want to pay for it, so I'm putting it on a pay-per-view. That's not being an entrepreneur. That's being, unfortunately, the victim of, you know, bad promotion. Right. But when, you know, a Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence say... It's time for us to test the waters and see, you know, if this, is, this is how the, the audience responds. You know, I, again, I understand the cost thing and, and, and financials are, a, uh, are, are certainly a, a barrier for a portion of the market. But for those fighters, they're eating what they kill. It's right. sort of like if it doesn't do well, they don't get as much. If it does well, they get as much. So it is; they're truly betting on themselves. So at that point, I think any fighter who deserves, who decides to go that way, deserves credit. It's a risk. It's a lot more work, and you're you're betting on yourself. Absolutely. Well, how about the
0: risk to um, to Showtime? Like, if, if let's say these these pay per views maybe underperform. Um, especially if Showtime's putting up a guarantee, mm-hmm. I mean, does that affect the budget or the the quality of fights on the network, like going forward for that for that year?
1: Um, to some extent, but you know, the 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 reality um, it it's not quite as simple as um, you know we're not we're not always a standalone business unit, so it's sort of like okay, it would have been great if you know, we took the Mayweather-McGregor money and plowed it back into boxing. Right, right. Okay, well, you know, that's great. There's also other things that need to be paid for it at the network. Um, and, but by the same token, if I'm going to say plow it back into boxing when we make money, then, <laughs> to your question, if it doesn't make money, right. then, I, I, then I'll then i slash the budget for the next half of the year. So it's not quite that bad. I mean, um, look, it, it has you know, some impact if a pay-per-view really underperforms. Um, although part of my job is to structure deals in a way that the network doesn't get hurt, that we have an upside without hopefully too much downside. Um, and you know, in success, the whole, the whole network benefits, you know, there's more money for everybody. So I, I think that's, you know, it'd be, it's tempting to sort of say, look, um, you know, I'm I'm an island. I want to be an island in success, but you know, we're a business unit. There's a lot of different departments are, uh, across the network that contribute to the success. So it's sort of like, okay, we we each get to eat when uh, <laughs> when the pay per view performs. Sure, sure.
0: Um, well, I guess with with the the winner of of of. Pacquiao, Broner, whether it's Pacquiao or Broner, do they, you know, is there, is there kind of an expectation that the, the winner of that fight fights Floyd Mayweather and I would assume Cinco de Mayo, uh, pay-per-view. You
1: know, that, that's one of the, the great things. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, Floyd's got his, his finger in a lot of different pies, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Khabib and UFC, right, right. um, whether it's Manny Pacquiao, whether it's, you know, staying retired and having a, a great travel schedule Uh, having a great Instagram account right Uh, and investing in real estate and all kinds of stuff but um, so look that's that is a a very real possibility but if for whatever reason that doesn't come through like um, Pacquiao versus the winner of Garcia Spence or Pacquiao versus Thurman or Pacquiao versus Danny Garcia or Pacquiao versus you know the winner of Porter Ugas um, that's you know, that's the great thing is that Pacquiao fits in with with the welterweights, you know, exactly perfectly. He's the the one piece, and the, the best thing I can say is that he's still willing to take on top tier talent. I think that was that was a question because if you look at the recent opponents, it, it hasn't been a murderer's row, right. for the most part. So. I think you look at it and say, well, is that a Pacquiao choice or is that, you know, is he a victim of circumstance? And I think from what I know so far, it's largely circumstance because he has indicated he is absolutely willing to take on all those guys. So um, if he was in, you know, if some of those guys were in the the top rank stable, then I think we would have seen him. But um, I think other than the Mayweather fight, top rank wanted to keep it within their stable. And therefore, I think ultimately when Manny got his freedom, one of the key things he wanted to do was go somewhere where he had access to a bunch of top tier names.
0: That's right. Yeah. I mean, if PBC has anything, they've got welterweights and they've got welterweights kind of at all tiers, you know, Mm -hmm. young guys, older guys, top guys. Right. Lighter guys who want to be welterweights, yeah. who could you can make money with. Mm-hmm. So he came to the right place. So that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not just he's coming back for, for Mayweather and no, that's it. No,
1: and, <laughs> you know, and and look, uh, I think we we can't necessarily assume that uh, Pacquiao wins that. Right. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, no, you know, Broner is coming off you know two fights where um, you know he you know he didn't come out. You know, the, you know, on the winning end of things. Um, but there's no, there's no denying his athletic talent and, you know, his skill. And that's what's fascinating to me about the matchup. I mean, you've got two, of, probably two of the most athletically gifted fighters in, in, in sort of in the, the modern generation. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that, uh, that Manny wins that fight. Absolutely. I mean,
0: listen, I work with Kevin Cunningham, with Corey Spinks for a few years. And if anyone's going to whip
1: uh, Roner into shape and get him ready
0: for Pacquiao, a, it's Kevin Cunningham. Yeah,
1: he's he's a no nonsense guy. He doesn't tolerate a lot. Yeah, he's a great guy. let uh talk a little
0: bit about the one that got away. Um, Joshua Wilder um, this year. Um, I guess now that, you know, Eddie has firmly committed to the zone and seems to have committed Joshua to the zone. Um and they're kind of the anti pay per view model. I mean, how does that set up now? I mean, it seems like Eddie's probably determined to put at least a first fight between Wilder Joshua, and Joshua on zone. Now, I guess there's many variables here, but you know, should Wilder win, would that kind of throw the ball back in Showtime's court to to do a pay per view in the US?
1: Well it, it's funny. Um as usual, um, it's hard to tell exactly what Eddie Hearn is saying. Uh because <laughs> Uh, sometimes he says pay-per-view market is dead but of course that doesn't mean the UK because that's his lifeblood and he wouldn't have a boxing program in the UK without (laughs) pay-per-view and then he also says well for the big fights um, you know we're not limiting a guy like Joshua to the zone and for a big fight conceivably he could so it's a I mean I don't know how to decipher any of that. I'm not, I'm not sure that, that AJ does either. And whether AJ is in fact signed to DAZN because he's with, uh, you know, de facto signed to DAZN because he's with Eddie Hearn or whether Eddie actually meant it, what he said, look, if there's a bigger pay-per-view opportunity outside of, of DAZN, um, then he will explore that. But, I, you know, I think what, what is puzzling to me is that, you know, as a promoter and as a promoter for a fighter, I, one of the guiding principles, principles, not always, but one of the guiding principles is maximizing revenues. Right. And in, in terms of maximizing the revenues for Wilder Joshua or, or maximizing the revenues for Joshua in particular, uh, we, know, you know, we know that the Wilder offer would have done both of those things. Um, and he didn't, he didn't go that way. And, you know, going forward, you know, we know that, you know, in terms of Joshua's long-term, um, putting him on DAZN in the U.S. at this critical point in his career is certainly not maximizing his career arc, not at this stage with the limited visibility and the limited, um, awareness of DAZN in the U.S. Um, you know, if I were me, I would have used... One of the networks, or a couple of the networks, for another year or two, to build up Joshua in the U.S. and then at that point. But you know, so you've got to sort of question what is the the goal there for Eddie Hearn in terms of his fighters? Is it getting them the biggest fights and maximizing their revenues, or is it building the DAZN business? And that's what I think is the shame about the business. Um, I do not you know, doubt the trends of going to streaming. That's why we started streaming everything, you know, back in 2015. So like we're, you're preaching to the choir, uh, in terms of, of needing to be visible and streaming. But when I see these fighters, yes, they're, most of them are getting good money. Um, but every dollar today is not a good dollar. Um, so you get paid well and you're, you fall off the map in terms of visibility and awareness. And then, you know, three fights later, your career is three steps back and you've got something in your bank account, but nobody knows who you are and nobody wants to fight you because you bring no value to the table. So the, the reality, um, the reality there is, you know, I, I think it's a real shame. It's a real shame that fighters careers are being sacrificed to build a business for DAZN, right. um, and that's you know that's what is happening um, right now. Anybody who is appearing on DAZN is disappearing for visibility. Um, I mean, that's why they haven't released any reliable viewership numbers. You know, nor will will they ever, um, because you know the reality is right now. Now you say, okay, they're getting big checks. Well, that's great, but then what happens? with all these guys who have three fight deals and they've disappeared for the last three fights and you know five or ten thousand people have seen them on the service and maybe two thousand people in the arena and they're not they're not being marketed and promoted you know the zone business might be great but these guys will be left behind so I, i think it's a real shame that you know that again those that business is being built on the backs of these guys careers without sort of a reciprocal value being given.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, if I had told you when you took this job that by the end of 2018, HBO's out of business, I mean, that would have been a pretty huge victory for Showtime. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, now you've got this competition with ESPN, Fox, the zone, I mean, the whole landscape has changed, and and these guys have massive budgets. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, and each of the platforms is, is structured differently, um, ESPN and DAZN are curated by or not by a network executive mm-hmm. but by promoters themselves mm-hmm. which I don't want to go into antitrust issues but potentially some there Unusual
1: just it <laughs> yeah. like, say it's interesting dynamic
0: <laughs> It's an interesting dynamic Right, right But um, yeah, what, what difficulties or uh, opportunities does that present to Showtime in, in terms of uh, making big fights happen?
1: Well, you know, it, it remains to be seen um, because we we really haven't really engaged in it um i know you know that there are a couple promoters in particular who are very vocal about having tried to make big fights uh, you know i go back to my standard rule of thumb in these the more someone is talking about making a deal in public the less they are actually trying to make a deal so when Guys go out there and say, well, it's easy to make deals cross-platform. You know, we'll just trade or we'll do this and that. That, That's great. But if that guy's not making any phone calls to make any of that happen, it is a PR spin. Uh, And I think they're they're speaking to an audience of one, and that's the fighter. And when you're trying to re-sign a fighter or keep a fighter happy, the fighter has to hear that you're going across platforms to get him opponents. He doesn't want to hear... I'm going to keep them within their own platform. So I think when you hear stuff like that, the question is, okay, is this being said publicly or is it something that's actually, you know, being said publicly and the actions follow suit? And so, you know, from my perspective and knowing what I know about the fighters that we're involved in, um, no one's been approached about Mikey. Following, fighting cross-platform you know uh, errol spence you know fighting cross cross-platform um you know it, it isn't there's a lot of talk in the media but no one's you know come to us and said you know let, let's try to do that no one's gone to al and said here's an offer from for mikey or from that you know um you know eddie hearn is you know very vocal out there you know i'm talking to this lawyer and he can get me to al i'm talking to this guy and he can get me to Al. Um, I'm pretty sure there's pretty one, one pretty direct line to Al. Exactly. to somebody. And you don't have to go through a lawyer in Mexico to get there. So if he wanted to make, you know, if he wanted to have real discussions about, about you know, Wilder versus Joshua, then, I, look, there's, I think you exhaust all the possibilities. So I, I think this is one of those cases where it's sort of like, I, I'm not sure yet. Um, the next time that someone tries to make a, a sort of cross-platform deal will be the first time.
0: absolutely um you know and 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 to go along with you know you know a lot of participants in the market now the market's crowded it's getting very competitive um the end of the year has been flooded with fights Mm -hmm. um which is usually a quiet period i mean you know you've been quoted Mm -hmm. saying boxing season is december to august Mm -hmm. um so, I mean, how do, you see, how do you see Showtime fitting into the market, like, beginning of the year when all four networks are up and running? I mean, I just see that it's going to be crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy. And, and my real fear for the sport as a whole is um, that there's a, a watering down. Um, you know, there's, you know, not every minor league baseball game deserves to be nationally televised. Maybe not any of them do. Um, and, you know, I'm not, you know, calling, you know, anybody a minor league fighter. I'm, I'm just saying there are lower level fights or mid-level fights. or top tier fights. And I'm not sure that, you know, the casual fan or the non-fan knows the difference. So right. the danger is, particularly with these big platforms, um, is this is what, Whatever you put forward is what the consumer views as your product. Um, and it's, it's the very informed consumer will say, okay, I know the difference between the level fights ESPN's putting on and the level fights that I've been seeing on Showtime. But that's, that's really the hardcore fan who's really following closely and following names. I think the majority of fans, you know, boxing is boxing. Right. And the danger is if you're showing them, you know, content, you know, just filler content. And, and I think, you know, my fear, and I'm not privy to ESPN's business model nor to zones, but my fear is that both of them needed tonnage. They needed hours to build a library, to build a streaming service. And boxing represented inexpensive tonnage. And there's not a curation of fights. There's not an appreciation of of the sport. There's not a commitment to the sport. Um, You know, what's going to happen? Where is ESPN Plus going to prioritize boxing when they have a flood of UFC events? I mean, I think that that's going to be an interesting question. Um, Once DAZN populates with, you know, other sports, what is their commitment to boxing? And my fear is, is that not just are they harming the market in the short run, by oversaturating and you know putting on a, a, what are you know filler fights, um, I, I'm worried that you know uh, eventually you're turning off a portion of the audience because they're not distinguishing. And then ultimately, as soon as they don't need boxing anymore, you know they pull the rug out right. and say, okay, we've got we've got some baseball rights now, and we've got a little piece of you know cycling or whatever their business is going to build on. Then all of a sudden. You find boxing finds itself used, you know, yet again, right. because it's inexpensive filler content, and that is not a long-term, uh, not, term, not positive for boxing in the long-term.
0: Right, right. And I guess also, you know, I mean, you, you've got more money in the sport where you're know, seeing some great fights, mm-hmm. um, but, it, but it, again, it's really fractured now because you've got, you know, kind of three, you know, different camps Um, you know, obviously there's going to come a point you can't do just in-house fights. People are going to have to reach out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you stated, I mean, you know, when, when it was just kind of HBO and and Showtime going head to head that, you know, it was important for networks to kind of get a monopoly on weight classes because you need opponents Mm -hmm. for fights. You know, obviously it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that now Mm -hmm. with, uh, with the you know the, the, the fracturing of, of of the camps,
1: right? It, it's uh, yet another strategy that uh, I opened my big mouth about, and, <laughs> and zone decides, oh yeah, that'd be great. Let me let's uh, let's let's pursue the 160 pounders. Um, the uh, well, you pal- kind of just picking up what HBO <laughs> left, right? Yeah. No, it, it's true. It was I, I think it was more an opportunity than a strategy. Uh, I I think, um, you know, I, I think that's one way we can sort of divide the universe. And that's when we go back to the seventies, when you had multiple over the air networks in doing it, that's, they tended to sort of whether it was um, a gentleman's agreement or whether it just worked out that way, you know, they were focused on different weight classes. So they really didn't step on each other's toes. And, you know, that's where, you know, Showtime sort of was when I started, You know, and they had the Super Six tournament. You know, they were doing lighter weight classes, you know, um, more of the European fights, a lot of the places where HBO wasn't. Right, right. Um, And so that's one way. Now, when you've got four or five different participants, like that sliver of the pie, one fifth of the pie, probably isn't enough for anyone to subsist on. So it, you know, ultimately, you know, it's for the good of the sport and the good of the fighters, you're going to have to cross boundaries. Um, And I think, you know, for example, I think, uh, you know, Spence Garcia, a good example. Um, You know, I'll be the first to say, look, that, whatever I say applies to me as well. That's us putting our money where our mouth is. Mm -hmm. You know, Spence and, you know, Errol and Mikey are are two guys who are core to our strategy who have uh, appeared you know, over and over with us. I mean, Spence made his pro debut with us. You know, won his first title with us. Like it's been a long relationship. Um, but you know, going back to your question about strategy, the reality is as much as we love those guys and we do love them, they're two of, of the top five pound for pound in the world, in my book. Um, it's not good for Showtime subscribers to have that many pay-per-views, right.
0: You
1: know, in, in the century, that's three pay-per-views in four months. Right. And if we look at March in particular, March there's only three good weekends because of the NCAA tournament. Right. So it's not like there's a lot of room to you know put a bunch of championship shows in between on Showtime and sprinkle them in so people are getting value as a subscription as well as if you're interested by the pay-per-views. So that's one where, so we made the hard decision um, you know, for both those guys, you know, if if Fox can expand the audience and bring a different element and and successfully do a pay-per-view, you know, more power to them. But you know, after a December pay-per-view and January pay-per-view, as uh, our decision, we sort of need to focus on programming the network
0: right absolutely absolutely you mentioned you mentioned the super six um you know obviously you know Sauerland was a uh, a participant in ad and kind of said wow this is that was a great idea you know why don't we do this so you you know he you know forms the world boxing super series um but he doesn't have a monopoly on tournaments and i was thinking you know i mean i wrote an article i know chris read it yeah. I, I don't know if you you got a chance to look at it, it. Yeah. Um, but uh you know it seems to me you know you have you know you have the biggest pool of talent mm-hmm. um and certainly at 154 pounds i mean you could easily do like a, a, a tournament and there's probably at least two or three divisions that showtime like every year could probably like alternate like do you know junior middleweights this year welterweights next year featherweights the year after um, is it something that, that you've thought about? I mean, I mean, to me, I, I looked at HBO's Superfly thing. Mm-hmm. And kudos to, to Peter Nelson and Tom Loffler for bringing mm-hmm. Superfly. And they showed there was interest in them, but there was interest in the first one. It was great. Mm-hmm. And the second one, yeah, there was mm-hmm. kind of some interest. And by the third one, the interest had Wayne. It's like, mm-hmm. if you'd done it as a tournament. Right. Mm-hmm. You would have built interest as opposed to had it waned. So, is it something that the Showtime would consider? I mean, obviously, you'd have to get the PBC on board, mm-hmm. and they've got obligations to Fox as well. But is
1: it something you've considered? Um, I would consider if we look at uh, War Boxing Super Su- Series and the Super Six. It it they both illustrate both the advantages and disadvantages. Um, Super Six, everybody knows it was it was too long, very ambitious, too long, and they didn't have a good solution for. Injuries. Right. Right. Um, World Boxing Super Series comes along and comes up with a way to address both. Much shorter. They, you know, stack their undercards with other weight classes. They have substitutes ready. The dates are firm. Um, but here's here's the challenge. The challenge is, for the most part, you're not going to get your your star fighters in there because they like to remain free to take you know what if Floyd Mayweather comes back and you know or what if Pacquiao I have a chance and I'm locked into this tournament Pacquiao's looking for opponent so it's sort of like you you don't really get the star fighters unless it's the top fighters in a neglected division like cruiserweight so you need a division where you know you can you have a good core of talent that's relatively young or relatively young, motivated to participate in the tele- you know that's why i think the welterweight excuse me the cruiserweights were a good choice for that perspective but for us tv you also need to sprinkle in americans sure. um, so and i think that's where cruiserweights was not a good choice at least for us tv sure, sure. so you know we did have extensive discussions of World Boxing Super Series. And the strategy for the initial year, at least the goal initially, was there would be one American heavy division and one European heavy division. And that way you'd have events on both sides of the Atlantic and you could sell to TV on both sides. It's one package, but you had something for everything. Well, the way it turned out the first year, had virtually no Americans. Right, right, And the second year, you know, virtually no Americans. Right. And now, I, I'm not saying we're only going to put Americans on the air, but, you know, there's... You know, it's been proven time and time again, you know, what is big in the rest of the world, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, hold the Americans' interest. Well, I think also with the Super 6, I think Showtime
0: had a requirement that the semis and the
1: finals be in the United States. Right. <laughs> right. And And so you know, if we can now navigate now, we, I think the third iteration, I would say, let's take what we learned in those first two, the third iteration, let's make it relatively, you know, relatively quick, have a solution for, um, for the injuries and then find a weight class where you can get top tier talent. You can lock them in and you've got a variety of Latin American, American, British, UK, a, a good sprinkling across it. So, it's appealing everywhere. Now that's a lot to ask. Featherweight. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that, that, that is one. And then, um, you know, and, and we sort of, you know, uh, and I, I've made the point, uh, you you know, that, that sort of, in a sense, we're, we're sort of doing a de facto tournament. Um, it, it's, you know, it's not as structured and, you know, and it's immediately obvious as a a true tournament. But, you know, when we do Thurman Garcia, Garcia, uh, Garcia Porter, you know, Thurman Porter, uh, Brooke Spence, you know, ultimately I I do think now that Spence, excuse me, Thurman is back in the mix that Thurman Porter, you know, and, and, uh, and Spence, uh, you know, you know, assuming, you know, that is if spence keeps his belt against mikey and assuming Porter beats guys you're right so look i i think <laughs> you know those guys it, it should not be difficult to unify with those guys right. uh, i mean they're both they're mature in their careers they're confident fighters they certainly you know talk the game so I, you know that that won't be hard to get to that point absolutely well you've been really
0: generous with your time and i i know i've probably run over but um uh let me get one more in here. I mean just just uh kind of more personal question. Um uh you know HBO's out of the picture. Um you know you're kind of the lone boxing TV exec out mm-hmm. there and um, I mean, would, do you consider yourself kind of a, a conscience of the sport like like uh, Ludebela was I mean like I said at, at at the at the upfronts you were educating people about the sport, and it was like moving the ball forward for the greater good of the sport, even though like you said it may have been detrimental to <laughs> right. a little bit you know to try, yeah. you know, um, you know and, and boxing suffers from you know you 've said it uh, it doesn 't have a centralized mouthpiece for the industry, but I mean do you consider yourself a, a
1: conscience oh. of the? sport? Uh, you know, I think that's, that's probably would be giving myself a little too much credit. Um, uh, I see where your, your question comes from, but I mean, I do think, um, you know, I've been sort of raised in the sport. This isn't, uh, a job, um, or just a job. This is something that, you know, in, in my household growing up, there were, there were two sports. There was Dallas Cowboys football and boxing, you know, and I never thought I'd end up working in it, but it's something that has been near and dear, you know, since, you know, seven, eight years old. And it's, um, I, I I do care uh, and, and probably sometimes um, maybe take things a little bit too personally. I want to see the sport thrive. And I, 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 I want to see, there's nothing that bothers me more when people repeat the the all the old wives tales and misconceptions you know boxing is dead it's, it's got an old demographic it you know it's fading it it is a a vibrant sport it's a heroic sport you know it is it it attracts um you know the the greatest range from eastern europeans to you know to japanese fighters to latin american to every type of uh, of american you can think of and it it it's one of now I know I'm sounding you know probably a little bit naive it's one of the most egalitarian sports you know there's you know it's a very simple playing field very simple rules um there's not teammates you know there's and it doesn't matter how you got there you get that opportunity and um you know it's the it's the rocky story so um you know I I do think uh you know as someone with a large degree of influence you know as joking about, you know, being, uh, most powerful, but without question, I have a, 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 good degree of influence. Um, I, I think we do owe, uh, you know, all of us here, I think it's shows. feel this way and I do personally, we do owe the sport, uh, a duty of, of advancing it and expanding it. Um, you know, we're not here to just suck the value out of it for the value of the network. Um, You know, if we look at, you know, there's all kinds of of ranges of opinions about Floyd Mayweather, about Oscar De La Hoya. Um, But if you look at them as a societal experiment, um, and both came from really, really humble beginnings and have reached like untold wealth, I mean, wealth that most people will never even, you know, imagine, come in contact with, um, and it was simply through, you know, this sport. And I think there's something incredibly attractive about that. I mean, yes, it happens in other sports too, but, you know, this this is a lone endeavor, and there's something heroic about, you know, you and your boxing gloves and your gym and you pulling yourself out of whatever situation you're in, whether it's physical, financial, um, emotional, um, the, there's something about the sport that is empowering and uplifting. And I think we want to honor that here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, I really appreciate your time, Stephen, and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs> And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast. I'd really like to thank Steven Espinosa for taking the time out of a very busy schedule to speak with me. Uh, also like to thank Krista Blasio and Amanda Wong at Showtime for their patience in uh, setting up the interview. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. Really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And until next time, so long, everybody.